Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Mark, I know you've been travelling all the way around Victoria and south of New South Wales, working extremely hard the last few weeks. I just thought I'd share this with you. This has just come in from Barra. Mark saved my life. He's exactly what I was looking for in my approach to horses. I'm utterly grateful for every piece of information and knowledge from this amazing horseman. Right, we'll get straight into the questions then. Hi Mark, today's questions for you are all about retraining a horse. So for the people listening, you might have a horse and you're, you've been sort of using certain training methods or you know previous owners have used training methods that might be the common traditional methods that are out there and you're wanting to move away from them and so this week is all about how Mark can help you sort of move away from you know start to do different things and so Mark first of all I want to ask you this question comes from Kathleen how do you approach retraining a horse that has a negative learned response so an automatic response to perhaps something like pressure that's been unintentionally conditioned, they might overreact, they might respond incorrectly. How do you recondition that brain so that they no longer feel that pressure or that set of circumstances leads to them reacting inappropriately? How do you change it so that they're conditioned mentally to do something different? Have you got any sort of a, you know, how does it work? Can you just give us a bit of an over, oversight? Yeah, it's common at clinics that I get a lot of horses that um, anticipate pressure in a negative way in the sense of um, they try and make a decision to avoid or get away from the pressure. So they, you know, I call them release hunters. Uh, So they get anxious um, about the pressure. So basically I would give a horse an alternative to what they were going to do. If you see what they're going to do is say, and most of those negative pressures are I'm moving away from something or I'm scared of something. I'm moving, yeah, moving away from the undesirable pressure opposed to going towards their thoughts. So if you see any response where the horse is kind of anticipating or moving away from something, you reset it, whether you put a feel on the rope or something like that to say reset and ask again, um, without being specific about what is exactly happening with the horse, um, you know, I won't be too specific with the answer, but basically um, the horse has to feel good about or better about what it's doing and be able to follow a feel. Um, so depending on the pressure, so if it was a pressure of, you know, you know, sending a horse somewhere, uh, if you sort of shook a flag and the horse decided to run away from the flag, then you would um, offer the horse another alternative to that. So if you shook the flag a little bit, the horse got anxious and went into a robotic sort of lunging response, then I would pick up on the rope and I'd say, that's not working. And when the horse sort of followed the rope a bit, even if it followed the rope towards me, I'd take the flag away a little bit and say, you know, when I shake the flag, you can search, but don't run away from it in, a, in an automatic response. Um, if the horse was running away from my legs, for instance, and I was putting legs on um, and the horse was getting all anxious and rushing forward, then I'd slow it down. I'd sort of back it up a little bit and then I'd ask quietly, can you move softly off my legs? And I'd, and I'd go right back to asking for a very a one very small step instead of sort of rewarding a sort of a fast, uh, you know, destinating response. Um, but there's so many different things that we can do. But basically, when there's a negative feeling to pressure, we have to just offer the horse an alternative that's going to make them feel better. 
Okay, so sticking with that then, so Megan has a specific um, scenario for you. So she's got a horse that's starting, has started to want to bite uh, when her feet go in the stirrups to mount or when legs are applied in the saddle. And he objects to the girth being tightened, even though this is done very slowly. And he hasn't sort of been used with a lot of legs. So, so you know, I think um, she's been following your approach with using the one rein start and things like that. Um, she's just going through this, making sure that the saddle is fitting, that it's not enough, there's no soreness there. So assuming that there's no medical problem, she's just wondering what your suggestions might be to move forward from this negative response. So with um, anxious or, you know, what, you know, anxiety around the girthing area, leg, legs, where your legs go and everything like that, um, it's, it's, um, it's, Usually why that starts is because once upon a time the horse had to stand still and be girthed up and put up with something that it possibly didn't like until it started to, um, you know, even it's like the feeling of being backed into a corner, you know, so if you're tied up and someone's poking and prodding you, you're going to tense up and be nervous. Um, so in the early stages of training, some horses aren't aggressive when you do certain things around the girth, they just freeze and they get a little nervous. And because they're not doing anything major, we just sort of, you know, get on with what we're doing but then after a while that freeze cause could turn into like I don't really like that I don't like it I've, I've, I was nervous and frozen a year or so ago but now I'm actually not so frightened anymore and I'm not frightened to you and actually I don't like it and um, I don't know what to do but it's not 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 a good feeling so and it's the same with leg pressure so basically um, what I try and sort of offer horses is uh, an alternative to them feeling bad and sort of freezing up and getting irritated and sort of biting and things like that. So um, an alternative would be through movement in a lot of cases. So so if you can find an alternative through movement, then the horse, you can actually move the horse until it starts to soften and feel good. Uh, so, so basically, um, there's two ways of looking at girthing. You can do the approach and retreat where you go in and wait a little till the horse softens, then release the pressure, it go in slow with the girth wait a little till the horse softens and then release the pressure and do that. Or you can, you know, girth up a bit of pressure on your horse and, or we'll say not, not with the girth, this would be, this would be more with a belly rope and ask the horse to lead to that pressure. So something I, I do with horses that are sort of, sort of quite chronic around the girth is I'll put a belly rope on them and at a, at a bit of a distance, I'll stand out in front of the horse with the longer belly rope with a bowline around it. So I can sort of tighten up but the pressure is going to pull forward to ask the horse to, to lead forward is I would stand at a distance in front of the horse and I'd pull the rope and the horse is going to tighten up, get a little bit angry, but you're not standing there to bite. So it's going to be like, oh, I wonder what, wonder what I'm going to do. I'm not really sure about this. And you just keep a little feel on that girth. And if you wanted to help the horse with head pressure, you could. And when the horse tightens up and gets a bit anxious, hold with that forward pressure and then ask the horse to lead forward a bit so you can use a bit of pole pressure too to help the horse and when the horse moves forward and releases the, the brace in its feet and just changes that angry thought a little bit you just loosen the girth pressure and then you ask again until you can also lead the horse just with the girth pressure and it'll it'll lead forward and come off that pressure and, and what will happen is the horse will get tight they'll get angry they'll tense up and then they'll move a little bit and then they'll soften a bit and then they'll move a little bit and then they'll soften a bit until eventually you'll girth up and they'll softly move opposed to have any tension. And that's giving them an alternative that obviously makes them feel better. Because most times when you're trapped in a corner and you can't move, that's when you're going to be feeling uh, more vulnerable. So if I was to walk into your space and poke you on the nose, 
um, you would feel intimidated. But if you were to walk into my space and poke me on the nose, you're still coming into my space and we're still crashing into each other's space, except um, you're less intimidated because you're crashing, you're coming into me. So by making a horse stand still and doing lots of handling around them and girthing, they feel like they're, they're sort of, you know, you've come into my bubble and all these things are on me. Whereas if you get them moving and you're more neutral, then, then, then the horse will be a lot softer and, and less aggressive. So basically when you see some softness, when you're doing that belly rope up and you, you're pulling it forward and the horse moves forward softly, then, then, um, and it can lead forward, then you lead it forward into a position where you're going to girth it. And when you girth, you go straight up with the belly rope. So when you do the girthing, you just handle quietly. So after the horse has softened to the leading and, and going quite well, then you might just soften and just, just gently do the girth up and, and just, you know, watch for a little bit of tension. If you see some tension, loosen up. Uh, but if you still think there's a lot of tension, I'd go back to the leading with the belly rope and going to your legs and getting on your horse and putting your foot in the stirrup. Um, something I would do was as I gently put my foot in the stirrup and I'd, uh, or I'd, no, sorry, if you're on the mounting block, I'd, I'd ask your horse to lead around soft. Um, and then I'd just gently put my foot up in the stirrup area. And then I'd just say, step back, step forward a step and just, uh, distract that thought of, of the horse, you know, coming around, getting a little aggressive, uh, on your boot. And then as soon as the horse follows the feel and, and, and listens to that rein, then, then just take your foot out and just say, thank you for that. Because, um, the, uh, once again, you're offering the horse an alternative to what it was doing. So you change, you're effectively changing its thought through a distraction and that distraction gets its mind off that hard thought. And sometimes if you can just give them an alternative to what they were doing, they'll, they'll start to let go of the worry about the, the thing that they were concerned about. It's because they've been doing it all the time. They keep thinking it, but if you offer them an alternative distraction, then eventually um, they'll stop thinking about how, how they don't like you putting your foot in the stirrup. But if it's if it's definitely some some irritable areas there on the horse, then the the, the softly leading with the belly rope and stuff like that starts to get the horse to soften in the rib cage, and and get more comfortable with it. So then when you get to the riding and you put legs on, the horse is used to a bit more compression on that rib cage, and um, and able you know to move forward to that. And um, by the sounds of it, you've already led your horse around with the reins in a sense, so that you've found movement in the reins. So if you found movement in the reins when you get to riding and adding leg to your horse, the best thing I would sort of do is don't use the reins when you start to do, do leg transitions. So you put leg on and the horse can turn back or go wherever it wants as long as it goes forward. So basically don't try and point and shoot the horse in a certain direction um, because then you're shoving the horse along with the legs. You're kind of pushing it like a wheelbarrow. But if you just sort of add legs and the horse can go wherever it wants, it's just an accelerator not a, I want you to go there till the reins are to more to get a horse to go somewhere. The legs are just to accelerate. And if, and, and if you've already done a lot of leading the horse around with the reins, then basically what's going to happen is, um, uh, what's going to happen is the horse has already let go of the strong thoughts because basically you can steer and it can go in a straight line, steer and go in a straight line. So it's already got movement. So then all you have to do is stop it, loosen the rein and say, go again with the legs. And after a while, um, instead of sort of biting back at you, it'll get, the horse will go forward. Usually horses bite back at the legs is because the person's pointing them away from where they want to go and then kicking them at the same time. And that's when they get a lot of aggression towards the legs because it's almost like they're getting shoved along all the time. Um, but if, if you've worked separately with the reins and then legs without reins and the horse can go wherever it wants when it accelerates, um, the legs are almost like a helper 
for the horse opposed to a, a, a shabba um, and then they'll get a lot softer to that so it's not like uh, if they're having these sort of negative response to the legs that we completely ignore the legs and leave them alone you're actually saying no work on the legs but actually don't do the rain work for a while yeah, yeah. So the rain works designed to get the horse freely thinking in new directions and almost like every direction becomes equal. So you can point your horse in any direction and it's equal. And that means the horse has let go of a strong destination or a strong magnetism. And once it's let go of that, then you basically just work on acceleration um, because the horse is in more of a neutral centered state instead of it being destinating and then working on the legs while it's wanting to be somewhere else. Um, but, but at least by separating the two tools, the horse is understanding which one it's listening to and it's going to learn it more thoroughly. Right, okay. So I want to get your opinion now on, on this, Mark, just to see which way uh, you think that this owner should go. She's got a really young gelding, uh, sweet, personable, trusting, willing, calm, an old soul. Uh, I think that's a lovely description. But he has white spots on his back from the prior owner's saddle and white horizontal scars on both sides. No idea what caused those. He has bucked completely out of the blue and he, because it was such a huge change mentally from one state to another, um, his trainer thinks it might well be pain related. So she's going to get x-rays done. Um, but in the back of her mind, um, Kathleen is wondering, could this be a pain response to the saddle or perhaps a memory sort of response? Or is it that under certain situations, this is reacting to pressure? Do you have any thoughts on that, Mark? Yeah, um, well, pain responses um, obviously can be quite, you know, like if a nerve tweaks or something like that can cause a, an explosion. And, and I guess you have to sort of rule that out um, by getting, you know, the appropriate people in to have a bit of a look over the horse and work out if it's a pain response, but pain responses can also look a little bit like a, a horse that goes from frozen to sort of bucking in the sense of it can go from one extreme to the other. I get that the thing at the hardest thing is about it is like I, I, there's an example of a horse at the last clinic and, and I'll, I'll use that as a bit of, a, of an answer for you. Um, it's a horse that I'd helped before and opened up from a frozen response, but it, but in the clinic on the first day I worked it, or the, the second day, I put the saddle on and I noticed it was in a frozen kind of state. Took me the whole lesson to unfreeze it. The next lesson I brought it in, um, I was showing people about self-awareness and how the horse was aware of every part of its body. And it was showing me as I was girthing it, how it was feeling about the girthing. Um, so with that particular horse, if you girthed it up when it was uh kind of just phasing out chances are if you let it up or trotted it it'd buck or go go kind of a little bit ballistic but it was missing out on so much but it would just sort of set into this state of of sort of freeze and it it just stopped thinking as in as in i spent a whole lesson getting it to search and look and look away and travel and as soon as it look away and start to search as head to go to the ground and it'd sniff the ground and do the big you know, oh, you know, I'm breathing, I'm, I'm thinking. And um, so just in the saddling, because I put the saddle on, it froze so much that I spent the whole rest of the lesson getting it to open up its mind and look in different directions and sort of be aware of the place it was in. Uh, and also what I was doing and, you know, the things where, where I was moving the flag to or myself to or 
Uh, and then in the next lesson, the horse came in and I just worked through the whole process slowly, working, making sure the horse was aware at every moment of the, of the, um, of what I was doing. And then it stayed open the whole saddling process. Um, so that could be what's happening and it happens to a lot of horses. So I'd say that I'd put 50% of my bet on the fact that the horse is actually probably has a negative response to pressure and things like that and started to shut out certain things, but then it's sort of been holding the worry in and then the worry comes out. So it looks quite explosive, goes from nothing to something. And uh, actually on the same clinic that I'm talking about, there's another horse that was a rearer and it was be a, it would look like a calm thoroughbred, but when it come into the arena with the girl, uh, who, who, who was working with it, who owned it, um, you know, it was just going to straight full rearing and everything like that. But then on other days, you could say be as calm as a cucumber. So it's a horse that doesn't know how to deal with anxiety. When the cup's full, it just sort of tips out and tips over. So I think it's really important to sort of see if your horse is actually slightly frozen and obedient. And to do that, um, what I would do is when you're saddling and doing things like that, see if you can interrupt its thoughts just a little bit um so if you're putting a saddle on and girthing or the things that kind of make it like stimulate that sort of i'm going to be frightened or buck or do something um as you're saddling just see if you can pick up a feel on the horse and it'll just think around and sniff and breathe see if you and and, and also listen for shallow breathing like if the horse gets so tight tight in the face and the muzzle and wrinkled um the breathing's quite shallow and you see a stillness in the ears where the ears are cut back a little bit um and sort of the tops are a bit pointed together um if they're kind of quite still when everything's happening and very obedient uh looking and they but but they look a little like not a lot's happening then then i'd be concerned that it's the horse is just kind of holding in the worry and then at any moment it could come out so so to to yeah you're just always gently interrupting the horse's thoughts a little bit and see if you can sort of get a change or, or a connection, even if you get the horse to bend a little bit and it connects and breathes on your hand. Um, also, I'd go around and touch the horse in different places. And if I found a spot before I was saddling it, um, if I was touching it and there was no response, I might even poke a little harder on the horse, even on its shoulder, and just give it one quick poke. And if the horse goes like jumps a bit like that, then go back to just touching it softly and see if it can start to sort of get aware of the area that you're feeling on it or touching on it. Um, that's even another way to get them, you know, work over their body to make sure that they know where you are. Just like when you see a horse and there's flies landing on it and it goes, shakes that fly off back there and it shakes a fly off there with its skin, how it ripples. You know, they're aware of where the flies land on them. You know, like a fly lands on its leg and it'll pick up its leg and, and stamp it or something. But sometimes when we're saddling the horse, we can't get a response out of any part of their body um, because um, they're not, they're just kind of in, in that state of, of freeze. So, so I would try and sort of just do a bit of an, a bit of research on your horse and, you know, see if it can be aware, you know, like of every part of its body. If you're just back at its hip and you're rubbing on its hip, if you just rock it or tap it, can it just loosen that leg, that hind leg that you're at, that where you're at and things like that? And, and is the horse looking back? Is it sort of aware of down that side or is it just standing the same robotic position? Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd be doing things like that around your horse and having a good, good look at, at what's happening to find out if it's just a holding in the anxiety and then it's exploding versus pain. Well, Kathleen, let us know how you're going because I know you're going to get that x-ray done and um, you, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how you progress from here so keep in touch with us. 
my next question is from Claudia, and this is about a, a younger horse, a three-year-old mare who is just getting started. Now, um, Claudia's been sort of trying to get her attention with the flag, and um, this particular mare isn't very impressed by it. Um, and it seems that this she doesn't see much sense in the things that she's asking her. So she's getting heavier and heavier and a little bit annoyed at the same time. She's a very curious mare. She likes to be looking for food. Um, whether she's used to looking for food, I'm not quite sure. Um, but she she usually lets her investigate when she's got her in hand and they do a lot of walking together. But she's generally heavy on her feet and heavy in her shoulder. So um, the swishing of a stick or the smacking of a rope on the ground, you know, when she stops to eat or something, she'll sort of look at it politely the first time and then the second or third time she'll just ignore it. So not impressed by it and doesn't seem to have much of an impact on her. She's at the bottom of the herd, um, but she's wanting to sort of get her to train her in the way that she can, you know, get these sort of tools working. Have you got any tips for her? On yeah, I think. Uh, in a whole, it's going to be a fairly simple sort of direct answer, this one, in the sense of uh, we could go on a long line about sort of, you know, this and that and the other. But I think um, my my thoughts on it is um, the the old saying of Tom Dorrance's field timing and balance, you've got to get the balance right, um, firstly. Um, so what, what it seems like to me is her, her, she's able to search, she's able to explore, you've allowed that, but then she also has to understand boundaries as well so you know searching without boundaries can be dangerous because when you want to put a boundary in that's clear and you want the horse to understand it they can get a little bit of a shock or a fright or they can get overwhelmed later on when there's more pressure so um so allowing a horse to go towards its thoughts is very important but then the next thing is the horse has to let go of that thought so if she's exploring and you want to draw her back and say, come back now, let's go over here or do something else, follow the rain, whatever, whatever, follow the lead rope, whatever, you have to get her to let go of that thought. Um, by the sounds of it, she's getting good at being a toddler and hanging on to her thoughts. Um, but it's like a toddler without boundaries. You know, you, you take their toy and they scream, you know, they, they get really angry. And it's only later on, you know, through learning. And some toddlers learn better through trial and error. The little toddler that falls off the edge of a little veranda, not a big veranda, next time it crawls to the edge and goes, hmm, I'm not going to fall off that edge anymore. Um, so it, it, it found its own boundaries in a sense and the boundaries were clear. So so by the sounds of it, she's, she's on toddler mode and she's, she's not knowing that there's any boundaries out there. So the popping of the flag is not meaning a lot by the sounds of it. So you can get on the end of the rope and sort of get firm enough to make a change if you need to. One 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 bump of a rope or one one thing that's clear enough is not going to be um, going to affect her a lot in the sense of you know cause, causing long term trauma or anything like that. What causes problems is leaning on medium pressure for a long time. That's what causes that big brace in the shoulders. You know, in the front feet being heavy is that that leaning. And leaning into into pressure so I think with her you might have to sort of show her what the end of the rope means so when she goes out on the end of a rope you might put one clear bump in it that that makes her reset and it might make her eyes open up and go hang on what, what was that and it's like well that was the end of the rope that's a boundary um, and then she'll start to recognize that oh that that means something there is a boundary there but the longer you go with medium pressure without without change 
the the more she can go you know i can hold on number five worth of pressure well i can hold on number 10 and i don't have to make a change that means you have to get higher or bigger with the pressure so basically the the, the saying is is you've got to apply enough pressure to get them to let go of whatever they were doing whatever that may be so you don't just swish a flag to get their attention if 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 you had the flag for instance so someone says, oh, my horse is not really interested in the flag, but I'll get a hold of the flag and I'll just sort of, you know, hang it over the left ear and then hang it over the right ear and then just just gently walk the flag back over there with her and it'll just be hanging over there with her. The horse goes, wonder what's going up there. And then just out of the blue, I'll do this big shake of the flag and they'll go, geez, where'd that come from? And they'll, they'll wake up and go, oh, I, I wasn't expecting that. That was like the stealth magpie that I wasn't expecting. Um, and then they'll start to have their own natural awareness then. So she's probably also got used to your rhythm and when you do things and she knows when she's going to block out. So sometimes, you know, maybe that you might have to give her more responsibility by doing something a little more random so that she wasn't expecting. And then she'll start to go, hang on, I wasn't expecting that. I might have to pay attention in my environment, not just sort of assume all the time. So that could be I'm walking along and I could do a quick bang with the flag out of the blue. And at the same time, I bumped the rope a little bit and she went, what, what was that? I wasn't sure what that was. Um, and then you just might go, oh, well, I just might walk over here. And she'll go, oh, where'd that, you know, I might follow you. Um, and, and, and show her that sometimes things aren't always what they seem and she should pay a little bit more attention. Um, and that's not gonna hurt her at all. It's only when people get bullying on their horses and pushing them around and shoving them and pushing them and chasing them and getting heavy on them all the time that the horse gets kind of sour or they get frightened. Um, but 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 um, clear pressure where it's necessary to create clear boundaries is is okay as long as you 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 get the desired response where the horse has a thought change. But when the horse is centered and it comes back and it goes, okay, I'm centered, I'm here. It knows by your intention that that you've got good intention towards it and it can be connected to you. So um, you're not using that bump on the rope or that pop of the flag towards the horse. It's just um it's just that's the rope that's the end of the boundary you know i popped the flag to get your attention but I, my body language is not after you with it um and I, and I think just more clarity in your boundaries is going to be so important and do something that's big enough to get her to let go of that thought and then when she has don't ask anything of her just say thanks for that and just let her quietly think about that and then you just go on and do, do something else so she's got to follow your idea just as much as you can follow her idea when you're getting her to search and things like that. But as I say, she's got to let go of her ideas quite, quite willingly, not fight it to keep her idea because then one day when her idea is to canter behind five horses and then those horses go into gallop and you, you don't want to, she's going to go, well, I am because I hang on to my thoughts and I don't let go of them. Um, so eating grass can be dangerous because they're hanging on to a thought that could potentially be, oh, well, I'm going to go and kick that horse or I'm going to bolt. Um, so if you can't get a horse to let go of a small thought like eating grass, then you maybe won't get, get them to let go of a bigger, a bigger thought. That's, that's so interesting. So, so being clearer in your response and maybe taking a little bit more of a leadership role, that's what I'm getting from you with, with, um, with helping clients. Yeah. So I know there's a video, yeah. a few videos of you where you sort of, you'll walk off in different directions and all of a sudden, instead of it being, you know, you're almost waiting for the horse to choose the direction, the horse has to pay attention to you. It's 100% paying attention to yeah. you in this lesson. Yeah. I might um, just send the link to her for that one because I think that would be a good one for her. Yeah, and, 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 just, and just quickly on that is, 
uh, I say this to everybody because the more we try and listen to our horses, the, the better we'll become at listening. But sometimes I see people fall in the trap of, of they become an observer and a listener. So everything is all about what their horse is doing. And then they lose their own center. So you're allowed to be selfish and make your own decisions and walk the path that you want to walk and things like that. And the horse has got to recognize that you own yourself too. And that's so important with those horses. We, we sometimes over-listen and over-manage uh, where, we, where we really got to manage ourselves. And, and the horse starts to look up to us because of that because they're not going to follow us into the, you know, into the valley of death if we're just focused on them all the time. They're going to they're gonna look, look at us and go, geez, you're, you're, you're pretty confident in this environment. I like your confidence. I, I'd like to be around you. And with that, I know that sometimes you'll say to people, you know, you've got to have the answer in your head of the question that you're answering. So there's no sort of, um, you know, you're very, very sure about that boundary. So if you're standing there with your horse and your horse is moving to a particular point away from you, but you know you're actually wanting them to listen to the feel, in your mind, you know where that boundary is, where you go, that's it, you've hit the boundary. So that door isn't open and the horse isn't inching its nose slowly out of that door trying to escape. Mm there's a wall and they hit the wall and bang. So that clarity is so important, isn't it? That um, And that comes, like you said, that just comes back to you, that for you to show that clarity of the horse, the clarity must be in you. You must be clear of what that answer is and what your response is going to be when they, so that they know this is what we're doing. You know, So if they can pick up on whether our mind is with them or not, they can pick up on whether we know exactly what they want them to do or not. So it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, certainly is. So this session, then um, we'll just we'll just wrap it up. So from what I can get from from you, Mark, the retraining, you know, trying to get our horses to sort of think in a certain different way, perhaps, and have different responses to what we're asking them to do, and not you know not to be worried and um, show anxiety from from traditional sort of um, pressure that might have been applied. We've got to get them to feel better. That's the first thing. And then we give them an alternative, an alternative so that they can yeah. sort of relax into that, knowing that we're going to do something different. And that could be following a feel into movement. So I hope this session has been helpful and interesting to all of you. Let us know your feedback. And thank you very much, Mark. Yep, no worries. And just quickly, to, just to wrap one thing up, which I probably didn't say at the start, is um, pressure is an old, uh, pressure is an opportunity, not a threat. And just going back to the first question, when the horse stares at pressure and thinks, what am I going to do to get away from that pressure? They see it as a threat. But if they start to search and look for answers elsewhere, like look away from the pressure and uh, make decisions to go towards their thoughts, then pressure becomes an opportunity. And then when pressure starts to become an opportunity, that's when horses start to soften and feel good about uh, dealing in an environment amongst the pressures of uh, just training pressures and environmental pressures and stuff like that. And it's uh, it's one of the game changers is is teaching horses that pressure is an opportunity, not a threat. But it's 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 quite hard to do sometimes. Definitely keep an eye on the podcast because this is a whole separate podcast that pressure is not uh, a threat; it is an opportunity. We're going to hit Mark; he's going to do a whole separate podcast just on that topic. So look out for it. Stay tuned. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jenny. You can learn more from Mark and his approach online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. Join hundreds of others around the world making real progress, fixing problems and improving their relationship with their horses. There are now over 500 training videos. Make use of the seven day free trial and take a look. Membership is just $15 a month 
and you get to ask Mark a question.